Welcome to Radical Resilience, the podcast. I'm your host, Pega Kadkodian. Resilience is more than just learning to bounce back from adversity. It is both a spiritual and practical journey of returning to the essence of who you are. With Radical Resilience, life can throw anything at you, and no matter how tossed around you get, no matter how hard you fall, you have the ability to get back up and come home to yourself. Here are the inspirational stories of women who embody radical resilience and learn the resources you need to reclaim your passion, purpose, and power. All right. I cannot tell you how excited I am to introduce you to today's guest on the Radical Resilience podcast. You know, for those of you who are just tuning in, this podcast is all about stories, interviews, and resources for women who are cultivating a sense of resilience for themselves. And if you are not familiar with me and my particular brand of resilience, you'll know that my take on resilience is that it is both a practical and very spiritual journey back home to yourself. And the young lady that I have today as our guest is truly an embodiment of just that. Her story is incredible. I'm so deeply honored that she was willing to come on and share it with all of you so that we can all benefit from her journey and hear about her story of resilience. So without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce you to the incredible Naomi. And Naomi, pronounce your last name for me, darling. It's Collado. Well, Collado in Caucasian is Collado in Cuban, but... Oh, let's go with Collado, (laughs) sister. I like that so much better. So the incomparable Naomi Collado in Cuban, let's be authentic about it. I get it. You know, my last name I say is Cadcodian. If you're American or whatever, <laughs> but it's really Katrodayan for those. Oh, I love that. Right? That sounds so exotic. Well, you know, it's spicy and all the letters <laughs> make sense when you pronounce it that way. So anyway, uh, Miss Naomi, I'm so excited to have you on. And, you know, some people who are listening may have a sense of what your particular story is because they may have heard it. Um, and some people might be wholly new to it. So for our listeners out there who are not as acquainted with me uh, and with Miss Naomi, uh, we met actually when I was in the training world. I was teaching and facilitating uh, and training folks in neurolinguistic programming, uh, which I did for a few years. And I had the incredible honor of becoming acquainted with Naomi and learning in, about her story, which really, truly blew me away. As a matter of fact, her story was so profound that we would often uh, share that story with her permission, of course, with our audiences, because it was such an incredible example of the power of resilience and forgiveness. So Naomi, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? I mean, I could certainly give you an intro. Give us a little bit, a snippet of, of, of you and who you are and your background, kind of what you're up to today. And then we'll move into that incredible story and just how, how your journey has unfolded. Okay, so pretty much I'm a firstborn American to Cuban immigrant parents, and that automatically, I think, installed the overachiever, can't, you know, disappoint the, the, you know, traditionally valued and very humble family unit. So that installed that in me. I didn't really have any struggle or go through much like that was life changing where I feel like I had to feel resilient until I joined the military. At 17, I joined the military 
And I thought I knew it all, right? Because my parents had given me the American dream and it was shortly after 9-11. So I'm here, I'm thinking, like, I'm going to be the first person to ever be in the military and the first person to, I, I'm a, I'm, I used to be very big on, I need to be the first to do this, the first to do that. Like, I kind of set a bar for myself. So I did that and it happened to be that one of the first nights of me being in the military, it was an incident where I experienced military sexual trauma. But instead of letting that, I guess, heal or face that, I just compartmentalized it. The way I think a lot of us do trauma when you're an overachiever, just kind of compartmentalized it and never really went back to it. I had a pretty successful military career the whole time I was through. And I think I was just numb to that. Like it just became a weight that I just hid in my closet, skeletons that I just had behind. Because if I admitted that I had something happen, I'd have to take ownership over you know, my role in the incident, you know, how I manifested that, but having to face it, having to face the shame and the defeat and all the negative emotions that come with trauma. So um, I was very successful in the military. I remember I had just um, re-enlisted. It was going to be my life. It's what I thought my life was, the label I built my life around. And then I went on a deployment and I shortly after got military separated. So I had to kind of go back to like, who the hell am I? Like now I'm no longer Officer Colado. I'm no longer, like I had created such an identity around that person. Like I was very tough and I didn't take any shit and I was blunt and brash. A lot of things that are still who I am, I just, all the things that I associated with femininity or I associated with anything that may have gotten me in that situation, I subdued or I, I buried. So, you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think so many of our listeners can relate to that, whether that is their direct experience or they've had another experience of trauma. I mean, trauma is is unfortunately so commonplace, especially among women. And there's so many different ways in which we as human beings choose to cope with that trauma. And very often what happens is that it does get compartmentalized, as you said, and we sort of tuck it away and put it somewhere so that we can function, so that we can cope and we can deal with the rest of our mm-hmm. lives until it becomes impossible to do that. Mm-hmm. And so often for women who have been you know, victims of trauma or sexual abuse, if you will, what can happen is that feminine aspect does go into hiding. We feel like it's not safe to be a woman, it's not safe to be feminine. And so whether we're aware of it or not, we tuck that away. So- right. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. And so I would love to hear from you, you know, kind of what the journey was for you in terms of your healing. And I loved hearing you say that what had happened was really you lost your sense of identity because, of course, the foundational pillar of this resilience model of radical resilience is a journey back home to yourself. And yeah, self-love thing. Yeah. Self-love. And, and what can happen when we experience trauma or loss is that we do lose our sense of identity. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear from you how it was that you journeyed back home to you and ultimately harnessed your resilience and how you have become the woman you are now, which of course we'll, we'll get into as far as all of your amazing accomplishments as well. Usually I think when we have to uh, redefine or go back to ourselves, we have to go through like our shadow side, which is our dark side. So we have to face the things that we fear most. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just facing the reality of what was. Like, where was I at that point? Because I was, I think we're so often either living in the past or living in the future that I had to be like, no, Naomi, like, bitch, you got to get up. Like, you still got to eat. Like, it's been three days, you ain't showered. Like, you know, all that stuff that happened transitioning in the military where I had to just figure out like, and, you know, some days at our darkest, I think there's so much, 
it, we're getting out of this, but I think like there's so much shame around just being like, you know, I took a shower today. Like some days when it's dark, that's an accomplishment in itself. You know, like some days I tell people we're slaying big dragons or little dragons. And I was very logical at that point. Well, I was very militant. You got to remember, I was 17, from 17 to almost 27 years old of life was I tell people, my parents, my Cuban strict parents, my mom waiting for me by the door with a broomstick telling me if I didn't get in the house by midnight, she was going to like, you know, discipline me with the broomstick. And my drill sergeant, tell, my drill instructor telling me that if I didn't get in, in the barracks by 12 o'clock, I was going to have to do 80 push-ups. I feel like I was still a child for a long time. Like, I tell people I didn't realize I was an adult until I was 32. I did all the traditional things. I got out of the military. I lost my identity. I was like, let me go to therapy. Like, but this first thing, I went to a military therapist, which I realized I probably should have just gone to a civilian, but I still identified so much with military that God bless their heart. They weren't open to a lot of things. The first thing they're doing is putting me on nine prescription pills. Right. So two weeks later, I'm constipated with hemorrhoids, you know, bleeding out. Three side effects of the seven pills or the seven medicines taken a day are freaking excessive diarrhea. So it's just like, I didn't know. And then that's another thing I think. I was too prideful to ask for help because I was that outstanding sailor. I was that person that always had it together. Like I was, I've always been that strong friend. Right, right. Which is the case for so many uh, women, especially very strong uh, women. And a lot of our listeners are really high achieving, uh, ambitious women. And so asking for help does feel in the moment like it's a sign of weakness, you know? you know, I I can't be vulnerable. I got to pull myself up by my bootstraps, which of course is sort of the, in my opinion, outdated model of resilience, right? Which is just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and- Right, right, right. You need your tribe. That's what your tribe is there for. Exactly, exactly. So you started therapy and the traditional, well, with the military therapy and and then what was the journey from there? I got on the pills and it was worse because it was almost like I was just functioning instead of living. Like I feel like even in the- dysfunction or the structure or the discipline of the military because there was a part of me that was very passionate um I still felt living so once that part of me died or that label died and I had to be reborn and me trying to feel all these emotions were just overwhelming um they I don't think western society is used to supporting that especially high highly creative highly achieved um, like overachievers, out of the box thinker, people like I was on the other side. Because I, I, I had to be very logical and, uh, and left-brained and very just disciplined for a big part of my life. Now that I feel like the caterpillar was coming out of the cocoon again, uh, the pills just kind of numb me. Like it was just, so I did that for about um, a year and a half, but then I was so highly achieving. I started three master's programs at one time. And like, I was just a highly functional ghost. Mm. I was in a new box. So I would get up, I would take four pills, I would make myself scrambled eggs and bacon, strips of bacon. Like I was so in the box. Do you get what I'm saying? Like it went, and it was so out of who I think spirit and God made and wanted me to step into. I really remember I went to the psychiatrist and I was like, yo, if these pills are gonna kill me, you're gonna kill me, I'm gonna kill myself. I said, cause I just, this is not how I'm living. Like this is not, I refuse to live this way. And her first question is like, are you threatening to kill yourself? And I'm like, ma'am, I'm not trying to kill myself, but I'm trying not, not to kill myself. Right. Like, can you yeah, just help me? Saying, I can't. This is not living. The way I'm living right, right. Now, this is not being alive. 
That's what I was totally saying. And she just didn't get that. So she, her first thing was like, well, let's go back to, you know, looking at your med doses. Are you taking your med on? And I was just like, yo, I, I can't. And I remember I walked out, which was so scary because I remember walking down the hallway like, holy shit, if they put that I denied treatment, there goes my money. Because I was getting money on disability for the issues. So I'm like, oh my God. And I'm being like, I can go back. And I'm like, no, my life is worth more than this. Yeah. And I remember the elevator down, like, I used to tell people, I used to be like, I didn't have religion. I didn't, I'm not very religious. I have spirituality now. But when I first started praying, I would be like, Buddha, Krishna, Allah, whoever the fuck is out there, just help me. Jesus, Muhammad, who's going to come down? Like, one of y'all, please come down and figure this out because I just can't do this. And I know somebody, and I tell people, I, I think that I cracked in such a beautiful way. It was painful while I was in it. It was so fucking painful. Like, it was so painful. That is the case for so many awakened individuals, right? Because I like to think that those of us on this path have gone through a sort of awakening that we do get cracked open and that often it's a, a hard fall or a situation where we do experience massive loss or trauma that is sort of the beginning of the cracking open, of the healing, of the waking up, and ultimately of the journey back home. Right. So that's incredible. And so you had that epiphany. You realized this is not the way you're going to live. You don't want to be medicated. What were some of the things that you did do that you found were useful? Yeah, the pill, that did not work. If somebody would have told me at that point, Naomi, go lick the bottom of Brother Man Joe's shoe. He's going to help you. I would have did it. I, was so, I got so to that point that I was like, everything. So I went extremely other way. I juice cleansed for like six to three days. And I started doing yoga, all different types of yoga. I had never done yoga in my life. And I was like, I'm not going to yoga. And mind you, through the parts of my depression, I gained like 120 pounds. So I went from a size 10 to like a size 28 through this. So I had to deal with that too. So I literally started getting healthy. And then like stuff started opening up. Like something would tell me, like, and I know it's my intuition, it's my inner light, it's all those things. But I didn't know something would tell me like, go to the, go to the park. Go to Bow Ballpark. I lived in San Diego at the time. Go to Bow Ballpark and stand, you know, in the sun. And I would just stand in the sun and it would feel good. And then it's funny because four months later, going to yoga, I'd hear, oh, sun salutations. You know what I'm saying? Like it all like started like, I feel like, you know, that game, I, I don't know what it's called. When you're a little kid and there's like one, two, three, four, and you make the dinosaur or whatever, and you follow the, connect the dots, connect the dots or whatever. Like, I think like that's what life is without the numbers, but you can see that it's something and you're figuring out as you go. And it's your own like abstract painting. So I've done 10 day, oh, 10 day silent meditation retreats have changed my life. Um, I just did my second one this year. It's called Vipassana. Um, it's, it's a free program that you for 10 days, you're off grid. No, any, the only thing you have is food, a light, a cot, Really, it's a little small twin bed, and you're just out there in wilderness just praying and meditating all day for 12 hours. Beautiful. So you did a lot of these kinds of practices, and we talk a lot, you know, in the radical resilience approach to things about radical self-care and that it's more than just, you know, how you feed yourself and move your body, but that it is also foundationally how you feed yourself and move your body, that that is a big part of the picture. And what I'm hearing you say is the beginning of your healing journey was to look at healing the body first, right? So doing the juice cleanses, yep. yoga, and meditation, and then really moving down the path of self-discovery. So that's so beautiful, and it really just affirming to hear 
that that was such a big part of the healing journey. And so I know you've done a multitude of other things as well, you know, uh, working with Tony Robbins and Lisa Nichols, and uh, you've talked about doing plant medicine, whether it's uh, ayahuasca ceremonies and uh, kabu. Tell us about some other things that you have embarked upon in your healing journey that were really game changers for you. I think the main point you hit that was perfect was I realized I had to look at life and healing and living and being from a spiritual, mental, emotional, physical perspective. And then even in a spiritual, mental, emotional, physical perspective, look at even those deeper from a light and a shadow place. Because I eventually had to heal myself sexually to heal the sexual trauma. So like sexually to heal the shadow, I had to embrace my femininity and my sexuality from a place of wholeness and from a place of shadow. You know what I'm saying? But then I also had to deal with the fact that now I was having sex in a new body because I was fit and I had, you get what I'm saying? So there's so many layers that to think of one. I think you've given us a lot of different things to really consider when it comes to the healing journey. I don't think there really is one thing. Oh, right. There isn't. Changer, right. I think it's a multitude of things and it all comes together in a perfect way right. to help us along our way in terms of the healing process. Right. Yes, yes. And there's not one size fits all. Like that's such, okay, so I've done a lot of courses, like a lot of courses, people. And I think when you're hungry for knowledge and you're hungry for, I guess for me, it was like validation that this stuff worked because I'm like, oh, I'm not the only one that hugs trees now. Like, oh, okay, I can do that and be okay with that that figuring out what works for you because I had to go against everything that anybody ever told me. Like I built a successful six figure business with no website, no LinkedIn, no major social media. And everybody was like, like that's not the best way to get to six figures a year. The, se- the best way to get to six figures a year is, you know, you have sales funnels and you have this and you have that and you have, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to. And for me, I had to literally shake everything apart before I built my own beautiful mosaic that is me that is still building. And I think that's what we forget as women. Like I had to rediscover and redefine my light, then stand in my light, then be okay. I constantly have to remind myself to be okay. Like, I, like we owe anybody permission, right? To stand in my own light and not shine in people's darkness. So then other people can have the permission and the validation to do the same. I really wanted to thank you for that bit of insight, which is, you know, everyone's healing journey is going to be so unique and so individual. And even though we can have certain guideposts along the way, you know, so for example, I created the resilience pillars for that very reason, because I wanted there to be some semblance of a structure or a how to cultivate resilience. And for each and every individual that I've ever taken through that protocol, it's very unique and everyone has their own unique journey. And so it's, it's so important to emphasize that there is no one size fits all do this, you know, five steps to blah, 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 but that it's going to be individual and an ever ongoing process for us as women, as people, but especially as women to come back to standing in our light and standing in our truth and standing in our power and standing and really owning our femininity, our sexuality and everything that makes us so wonderfully unique and as a gender, so incredibly powerful. So with that, I just want to take a moment to really acknowledge you for the incredible accomplishments that you have done in spite of your background and and the events that have occurred. And I always like to say for you rather than to you, right? So I think there are a lot of people who experience trauma or hardship and they think that it's somehow the universe conspiring against them. And I'm of the mind and I think you are too, 
that all of these things that happen are happening for us and ultimately moving us further down our path of growth and development and self-actualization. So Naomi has a multiple six-figure business. She's an incredibly successful consultant traveling worldwide to work with individuals and organizations. She does work with Lisa Nichols on an ongoing basis and an amazing uh, human being all around. You know, I see her constantly empowering, supporting, and being a champion for women. If people want to learn a little bit more about you, I know you don't do the traditional website, Facebook, you know, social media funnel, but if people did want to learn a little bit more about you and or get in touch with you, Naomi, how can they do that? So my Instagram stories is Naomi.I, like the letter I am, then dot brilliant. So Naomi, I'm brilliant. And that's the best way to see a behind the scenes view of of me. I just really post where I travel because I travel a lot, where I travel to. And then I give people a behind the sense glimpse of my actual personality because I'm very blunt and brash. Which of course, I love that about you. Yes, yes. I'm not for everyone. And you know, they say you might not be everybody's cup of tea, but you might be somebody's cup of whiskey. So that's the best way. That has my email address on there. If you want to reach out, you can always reach out to Pega. Pega knows how um, to get to me that way. But honestly, out of everything you said, Pega, the most important thing that matters to me is the part of knowing like I was here. Like that's my biggest thing. Um, My mom raised me like always to leave people, places and situations better than I found them. And that's what I've literally built my businesses off of. So out of all the accomplishments that you listed outside of the spiritual retreats I do and the workshops and the women's circles and, you know, the degrees and all that stuff, it's more about knowing that like literally who I was mattered and standing in my light made a difference through you, through your listeners, through my family, through breaking, you know, healing traumatic patterns and, you know, stepping into transformation. I think that's what life is really about. As we step more into that, as we don't shrink, as we don't feel insecure about who we really are, the more we own who we are, you know, not playing small, just standing in our light. I'll finish with this. My favorite thing that kind of, if I could give you one thing that I give my clients and I tell people to do every day, they're just starting on their spiritual journey if they want to transformation. There's a poem by Marianne Williamson who actually just had the pleasure of working with. She's running for president now. But anyways, before she was running for president, she wrote really spiritual, beautiful poems. And Nelson Mandela actually used this poem on his liberation speech. I know what you're going to say, and I love it. I'm so excited to have you leave that with our listeners. So I actually memorized this. I used to sing this as I used to run in boot camp because I sucked at running and it literally helped me. So it's our deepest fear is not that we were inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is not our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. You playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about you shrinking so other people won't feel insecure about you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that's within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in all of us. And as we let our own light shine, we'll unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Cha-cha-cha-cha, mm. boom. That's yeah. it. Well, I can't think of a better way to bring our time together to a close. I want to thank you again thank you. so much for sharing your story, your spirit, your light. Uh, we are all the greater for it. So again, folks, if you want to get in touch with Naomi, you can find her on Instagram. Facebook works too. Facebook, Naomi Colado. Facebook or Instagram. She is on social media channels. And uh, certainly you can also reach her through me. We will put her information on the podcast page so that you have access to it. 
So with that, dear listeners, want to thank you for tuning in. Join us again next week where we will have another incredible guest sharing her story of resilience. Wishing you so much love and aloha from my heart to yours. Namaste. Namaste. I'm Pega Cadcodian. Thank you for listening to Radical Resilience, the podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Be sure to go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and rate. And remember to share this with all the amazing women in your life. Join us next week for another episode of Radical Resilience, the podcast.